Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy Green is holding on line one. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. I mentioned to you earlier on the show that uh, I thought once in a while over the last few weeks that perhaps we uh, should speak a little less about the issue of chronic pain and chronic pain patients and patients in agony and needing their opioid medications, which the government argues with medical colleges in cahoots that uh, really they need to be uh, weaned and eventually withheld. Now, they'll, they'll argue that they didn't really say that, but that's what they're saying. And uh, you heard my interview with the, uh, the National Minister of Health or Federal Minister of Health, Dr. Jane Philpott. That's available. Uh, just go to my show page, Roy Green Show page, uh, at any of the radio stations, your favorite chorus radio station, which carries this show. We've talked to doctors. We've talked to patients. And so each time that I thought, maybe it's too much, there's another 50 or 100 emails that come in, and it's, don't stop, don't stop. And I told you the reason that I began is that it really started to bother me, really started to bother me that there was nothing being said about the patients, except the patients seemed to be the problem, and, uh, and, or, or, and doctors were the problem because they were overprescribing. And I thought, wait a minute, this just does not smell right. So I started investigating, and uh, over the last couple of months, we have found that it's not the patient. The patient needs the opioids in order to live a marginally, in some cases, acceptable life. Take away the opioids, and they often, patients often start talking about suicide. So later on in the hour, we'll talk to uh, Dawn Ray Downton. She's been on the program before. You've heard her, journalist, national journalist, wrote an op-ed piece in the Globe and Mail, and this week wrote an op-ed piece in the Ottawa Citizen. She's been on fentanyl for 12 years, prescribed, and if it stopped, her pain would be so incredibly impossible to live with that she has a suicide plan that her husband is aware of. Her husband is going to join us as well. What I want to do first, and I said the doctors are starting to fight back, the doctors are going public. I received an email from Dr. Mary Redmond. She's an Ottawa pain management physician. She has 1,200 patients. She contacted me after reading a blog piece, and she began by writing, great article, re-opioids, so much disinformation being given to the public by so many so-called authorities. So I spoke with Dr. Redmond. Some of you heard this conversation yesterday. I was so blown away by what she said. I, I had to play yesterday, although it was only for a partial audience. Not everybody was with us. Everybody's with us now. Please listen to this doctor talk about the situation as it is. Dr. Redmond, chronic pain patients, maybe more accurately, chronic agony patients, are now almost universally terrified 
Their opioid medications will be dramatically reduced or entirely withheld by doctors who previously regularly prescribed their dosages. Are doctors under pressure from governments and regulating medical colleges to to cut back and maybe to entirely withhold opioid medications? In the short answer with that would be probably yes, Roy, because but we don't know where it's headed right now because they they we're waiting to see the response individual colleges and ministries of health across the country. And certainly there has been, the BC College was one of the first ones to uh, respond when the Center for Disease Control uh, new guidelines came out a few months ago. And they, uh, they put in a set of rules that were you know, quite a dramatic change, basically that if patients were on greater than, uh, say, 90 milligrams of uh, morphine or its equivalent per day, uh, they, the doses would have to be uh, strategically weaned, and that if they were on the ben- one of the benzodiazepines, such as Valium, Ativan, or Clonazepam, that they would only be able to stay on it as long as it took to wean them off it. Uh, my colleague, Dr. Owen Williamson, in BC, he was the uh, head of the pain physicians BC, he negotiated with them to get them to, to you know, back off the pace a little bit and uh, initiate this in a more uh, gradual pattern. But patients were very, very frightened and very desperate. And the other colleges across the country, they haven't come up with a position yet. In Ontario, what has happened is that the Ministry of Health sent the college here a list of most of the pain physicians in uh, the province and required the college to investigate their practices. So that's about nearly 100 different pain doctors. And they're, they're putting in place a lot of restrictions for the physicians, a lot, or requesting that they have supervisors and so forth. And it's frightening the patients to death, and it's frightening doctors who normally wouldn't feel too uncomfortable with prescribing some pain medications for a patient. It's making them pretty terrified to start doing so right now. Boy, isn't that terrifying? That's terrifying in and of itself when you have patients and doctors terrified uh-huh. over the same issue. And then we have the manipulation of statistics and information. Much of the trotted out information on deaths due to opioid overdoses has to do with generic drug addicts buying illegal uncontrolled drugs on the street corners and nothing to do with chronic pain patients who carefully follow their prescriptions and gain some quality of life from the opioids where there was none before. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely agree. And the, the part of the difficulty, too, is the changing culture. In the, in the early, in, say, 2000 to 2010, uh, basically most physicians were hearing such things as from the World Health Organization that pain control is a basic human right. And we were encouraged to give patients, if the patients said they had pain, treat their pain and increase the doses as long as you were seeing a progressive improvement in function and so forth. But then um, the, the whole culture has changed in since 2010. It's gra- it was gradual. It was just a suggestion that, you know, be more cautious about prescribing and increasing the doses. But now with the fentanyl crisis and one thing and another in, um, across the country, you're right. People are jumping uh, uh, to the conclusions that this must have something to do with prescribed opioids, and there's really no connection. No, there, there really isn't. And... Uh, we now have patients increasingly, uh, and I'm just going by statistics or at least emails that I'm seeing from uh, all over the world after I've been speaking about it and posting about this issue. 
And we have patients increasingly talking about committing suicide and being quite serious about it. I have an email in front of me. I just want to read you a, a few lines. This came from an American. Do you know of any people in the United States like you trying to make people question what they're doing to uh, pain patients? I fear each month what will happen to my appointment. Uh, I have, though, thought long and hard about what I would do if I lost access to my pain medication. Would my family be better off without having me live with my pain how bad would my suicide hurt my kids, especially my youngest, as he isn't old enough to understand or care for himself? So we have a young mom uh, thinking wow. about, actively thinking about killing herself and wondering whether it's appropriate for her to kill herself before her youngest child becomes dependent on her. That's a tragic, tragic, even that few, those few words, that's a tragic picture to bring into one's head. And and it it should not this should not be something that people and it happens it happens again and again, Doctor Redmond, as you know. Well, it, it I do, I, I, but I'm seeing colleagues right now with this business with our college here. There are colleagues who are being forced to stop practice or who are forcing choosing to stop practicing pain medication management because of the the, the drawn out battle with the college, and these patients are going to be left high and dry. There'll be nobody to look after them. I, it's, it's just, it's very, very sad mess. That's, that's, again, I've used the word before, that's terrifying. Doctors giving up the practice of pain management because they don't want to be dealing with the oversight, the inconsistent oversight of colleges and governments. And so now patients will be left uh, without a doctor. And then you add to that the curve of retiring physicians who are getting older and the situation becomes particularly distressing. I received an email the other day from uh, someone who's actually going to be on the air with me uh, shortly. And uh, population of Canada, 36 million. The percentage over age 20, 78% or 28 million. Uh, the percentage in chronic pain, 20%, 5.6 million. And the percentage of people or the number of people projected to kill themselves, commit suicide, because of not being having not having access to their opioids, one percent or fifty six thousand people committing suicide. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely 56, heartbreaking. And I, I know people. a personal, well, it's personal friends who have had to give or having to give up their practice through no choice of their own, and they don't know it. There's nothing more heartbreaking for a physician than having to abandon their patients, and it's, it's heartbreaking to think what these patients can do. If they're suddenly abandoned like that, they may have to go to methadone or suboxone clinics and profess to be addicts to get anything resembling treatment, and that's even more stigmatizing than than chronic pain is. I don't know what to say because what I don't it, what, what I'm asking myself is, how is this allowed to happen? Who allowed this to become so completely out of control? Now I spoke with Dr. Lynn Webster, the past president of the American Academy of Pain Medicine. And his position is that insurance companies started it in the United States because of their reluctance to pay for prescriptions, particularly for prescriptions for war veterans. And, uh, and this is what got the CDC involved, and there was a not even half-thought-out policy that has been run with madly, and we are where we are. We now have, as you said, your colleagues giving up pain management, patients without doctors, uh, projections of 56,000 people in this country committing suicide. And I speak with the Federal Minister of Health, and I don't expect you to comment on this, and she has no answers for me. 
I asked for hard numbers. She said, we don't have them. I asked her what pain patients are addicted to. She had no idea what I was asking. And I said, Minister, what they're addicted to is living without pain. And right. so where are we going to be in a year's time, Dr. Redmond, if this is not addressed? And I suspect, my, my guess is, you tell me, in a year's time, there will be further withdrawal, further rejection of the use of opioids, and there'll be more desperate people with terrible consequences. I, I, I'm afraid that that may well happen. I don't know what, what I'm going, we're going day by day here because I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't, we don't know what our college and our, uh, is going to set out as recommendations. And we don't know how many of our, my colleagues will have their practices uh, curtailed severely. It's, it's very worrying. And it, it also makes us feel relatively helpless because I don't even know who to approach to see if anything might be changed. You don't know anyone to approach. If you don't know as a physician, how is the patient supposed to react? The patient doesn't have a doctor. I would consider patients who have you as a doctor would be blessed. But they, if, 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 if they hear your, your fears, that will well, only... Well, I, I have about 1,200 active wow. chronic pain patients. Wow. And they most, many of them have been with me like up to 20 years. Yeah. But I'm, uh, they ask me such questions as, what happens to me if you die? I'm, I'm, I'm shortly going to be 65, and I tell them, I really don't have a plan in place for that. But to, to, in seriousness, they are worried. They're worried what happens if I'm not there. And I will be as long as I as long as I physically can be, but we just don't know. As you say, the pain doctors are aging, yeah. and this is just uh, with the population. And uh, I we don't know where the next couple of years are going to take it. And this is so unnecessary. I agree. All that but has to it's, happen. It's it's well, we all we all of, I think needs to happen is probably to have more conversation about what happens next. Mm -hmm. What. If the, if the, how is this going to be managed in a way that still treats the patients with respect and respects the fact that if 20 to 30 percent of the population has chronic pain, this is not something that can be just dismissed. The, the new uh, opioid guidelines are suggesting that no patient should be given more than the equivalent of 50 milligrams of morphine a day. To patients who are not in pain medications, that sounds like a fair lot, but that's the equivalent probably of something like taking probably six oxycosets, Percocets per day, is roughly the same amount of medication, and that's not a horrendously high dose. And they also, the guidelines do, are, are put in place for all patients. I have a patient who's six foot 10 and 300 pounds. I have little ladies who are, who are barely five feet tall and 70 years old. They, the same restrictions shouldn't apply to both if they have to apply to anyone. No. So I um, I did the interview. I heard it yesterday twice. I heard it again today now. I'm still shaking my head. And as Dr. Redmond said, it's so unnecessary. Well, I think that governments and medical colleges are starting to lose control of the direction of the conversation. As doctors are starting to speak out now. And it's not the opioids. It's not the patients. Unless everyone I'm speaking with and every bit of information that I have is wrong. I'll be happy to speak with the Prime Minister who thinks it's just a minor inconvenience to have agony or have another conversation with the uh, 
health minister or with any president of any medical college, I'd be more than pleased. We'll come right back. <laughs> 